This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. We're devoting today's show to what is arguably the most significant artifact of Minneapolis's origin story, the John H. Stevens House. This is where it all began in many ways. This modest house, which is still standing today in Minnehaha Park, is where settlers organized Hennepin County and chose its county seat, a settlement on the west bank of the Mississippi River they decided at the Stevens House to call Minneapolis. But the exterior of the Stevens House is in rough shape after years of deferred maintenance. The property is owned by the Minneapolis Park Board. So this week's question is a bit different from our normal routine since it came from me. I want to know, why has the Park Board allowed the birthplace of Minneapolis to deteriorate? Here's my discussion with Ash Miller. So Eric, I asked you in here today to answer a question from an intrepid Curious Minnesota reader by the name of Eric Roper. Right. You wrote I, this question. <laughs> I'm, I like to stay true to Curious's mission, which is reader-powered reporting project. But in this case, I had to make an exception. A rare, rare exception. Yes. Anyone who follows you on Instagram knows that you've been repairing your own home. So your interest in houses is very evident to all involved. This so. combines my interest of history and exactly. of like wood siding. Yeah, so who <laughs> else like would I talk to? Wood, wood repair and things like that. So basically like the Stevens house, if you look into Minneapolis history very much, you start to run across John Stevens a lot, not only because he's sort of considered sometimes the father of Minneapolis, um, but also he clearly understood that he was living in unique times. So he wrote a lot of stuff down. He submitted letters to the editor. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of very like out there um, as far as just like uh, keeping a record that we still have today. Mm-hmm. So I sort of heard about John Stevens that way. And then I worked on a story a number of years ago about this thing called the Park for Posterity, which was an idea that this guy Joe Zalewski had in the 50s. And Joe Zalewski co-founded the Hennepin Historical Society, Hennepin County Historical Society. And he wanted to put the Stevens house in this park, among many other things that he was trying to protect from mm-hmm. the wrecking ball of, you know, the 50s. And so I just, you know, I had these little inklings of the Stevens house. And then I was covering the disbandment of a homeless encampment in Minnehaha Park, which happened to be right next to the Stevens house. So I was sent out there one day in the middle of winter and I and I did my reporting. And then I kind of ambled over to the Stevens house. And I noticed at the time that it was in rough shape. The outside was in rough shape. But I also realized like this would be a great story for our magazine's uh, state secrets column, which is kind of about, you know, little known places. So anyway, that's kind of how I got interested in the Stevens house. Yes. So what is the Stevens House? I don't know. I've never heard of this place. Uh, I'm not a Minneapolis native. I am new here. And so why why should I care about this place? Okay. It's easy to sell people on the Stevens House. Okay. It, I would argue it's the most important structure in the city of Minneapolis's early history, like as far as like the the founding of Minneapolis and, and it, you know, I mean, it's one of the most important structures to the city's history in general. Okay? okay. So the sign outside puts it pretty well. It's the birthplace of Minneapolis and Hennepin County. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only is this the first house built in the original boundaries of Minneapolis, but it was not just a house. This was like a meeting place. This is the sign outside puts it succinctly to say that this was the civic and social hub of the settlement that became Minneapolis. 
Indianapolis. So just a very kind of like interesting structure in that way. Yeah. So where was it originally? So John Stevens, he came here. He was a veteran of the Mexican-American War. So sometimes he's called Colonel John Stevens. He comes to Minnesota and he basically, he starts operating a ferry across uh, sort of from the western banks to the east bank. So St. Anthony was already sort of an established place and he gets free land from the what was then the Fort Snelling military reservation in return for operating this ferry. So he builds the first structure on the west bank of the Mississippi River in what's now downtown Minneapolis. So this mm-hmm. this house goes up in 1850. So Minnesota's not a state yet. And it's near where the downtown post office is today. So right near the banks of the river. Uh, there's pictures of it. There's a daguerreotype of it um, surrounded by teepees, for example. Like there's just no other structures around. And there were Native Americans in the area. And Stevens wrote later that members of the Dakota and Ojibwe tribes, which at this time were losing a lot of their land to the U.S. government, that they were frequent guests at his house. So he builds this house. But again, it's not just, oh, this is an early house. This becomes this civic and social hub. So the first meeting of the Hennepin County Board occurs there. And it's at a board meeting that they decide to call their county seat Minneapolis after first deciding to call it Albion. And then uh, everybody walked out and a bunch of the residents of this settlement said that Albion was a bad name. So the house is for decision making. The yard is for gossip. Right. Yeah. Stevens writes later, after the meeting, considerable feeling was exhibited by the residents of the county and almost unanimous sentiment was against the name selected by the commissioners for the new county seat. So Albion had to go and Minneapolis was uh, was chosen instead. So these were things happening at the Stevens house. It was the first school district in Minneapolis. was founded at the Stevens House and also like the territorial court would come through and they would have like court cases at the Stevens House. So this was like the this was the hub. This is the meeting place of what became Minneapolis. So a very Mm -hmm. important spot. So let's talk about child labor. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1896, this newspaper, this one right here, it's a predecessor of this newspaper, the Minneapolis Journal. They launch uh, an effort to go find the old, the first house built in Minneapolis is how they phrase it. And they find the Stevens house in Cedar Riverside and because it had been moved. And basically, just for some context, People may know the Ard Godfrey House, which is across the river from downtown. That is technically older, but it was built in what was then St. Anthony, which became part of Minneapolis. So the Stevens House was identified, and then the journal comes up with this whole campaign that we're going to get it moved to Minnehaha Park by the school children of Minneapolis. So thousands of shouting, of shouting <laughs> school children bring, and that's how it was described in the, and my editor was like, is it is shouting? Was that actually the, what it said? And I'm like, yeah, it said shouting. It's, it's key to the story. Key, to, key the story. to the story. They were shouting. So they, they literally haul this thing from Cedar Riverside in relays down to Minnehaha Park. And one thing that I realized after writing this latest Curious Story was that those children clearly kept this memory as a part of their identity for the rest of their lives because mm-hmm. a number of descendants of those children reached out to me and said, oh, you know, our great aunt Laura did this and or our grandmother did this. And they all knew and they all had the 
sort of scrapbooks. They they were given souvenir cards. Um, so it was just interesting to me that like what a, what an interesting idea, right? And this is one of the earliest examples of historic preservation in Minneapolis. Really? Okay. You know, I mean, like the hist- the historic preservation in in its formal capacity really doesn't kick off until the 1970s, almost like a, you know, a little under a hundred years later. But like even you know, I mean, just 1890s, it just like wasn't in. It, the, clearly, people realized that this house was extra special for them to go out of their way to save it like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it arrives in Minnehaha Park, this guy Fred B. Snyder, he's an alderman, right? So there's a lot of big speeches. A lot of speechifying happens when they right. get there. And it's all, of course, we wouldn't do this today, but it was written in great detail in the paper. All the speeches were basically printed in the mm, paper so we okay. can read them today. And so Alderman Fred B. Snyder, he's, he was born in the house. And I don't know why, like what that story is all about. Mm-hmm. But he says there was no cozier cottage in all the land. None had more sublime surroundings. But and then he had this quote, it is precious because of its associations. It has a history peculiar to itself. It stirs within us sentiments of loyalty for our city. There it stood, solitary and alone, surrounded by hazel brush and scattering oaks, where now is reared a mighty city. So I just thought that kind of sums things up as far as how people felt about it. And then he also says, so that that was in my magazine story, but then related to the curious story we're going to talk about, uh, about the maintenance of the house, he says, quote, may lightnings never strike or fire consume you. May the wet and soggy hand of time deal lightly with you. May the elements beat gently on your hollow walls. So just sort of a, a blessing, or I don't know how you would describe that. For these people in 1896, if you were to tell them that this thing would be still standing in 2022, I'm sure they would be a little surprised. But clearly, they were hoping that it would be around for a very long time. Yeah. So did lightning strike? Did the soggy hand of time touch this house? (laughs) (laughs) I love that soggy hand of time. I can't get over that. Basically, you know, this is another one of these roller coasters of history where it had a lot of ups and downs. So this is a big moment. Everyone's celebrating the Stevens house. And then it's kind of there. And it's not open to the public. It's boarded up for a period. And by the 1970s, uh, Barbara Flanagan, legendary Minneapolis star columnist, uh, one of my personal heroes, she writes a column saying, what's going on with the Godfrey house? and the Stevens house, they're boarded up. Like, shouldn't somebody take these on and restore them and open them to the public? And that's exactly what happened. So by uh, 10 years after her column runs, the Junior League of Minneapolis launches a huge restoration of the Stevens house and and opens it to the public as a museum. So it kind of like had some ups and downs, but then it got Mm -hmm. huge popularity uh, in the 1980s. So sort of the century goes by and now it's a big deal again. Mm -hmm. And then decline occurs again, where now if you go today, and this is what my curious story was about, it's in very shabby shape. There is peeling paint, there is rotting wood, there Mm. is holes in the siding that were made by animals, like woodpeckers and squirrels, and uh, so it's just kind of like, and it's just kind of it's dirty, one of the the roofs is covered, it's a wood shingle roof and it's covered in moss, which is just not good as far as rot and things, and Mm -hmm. you let that go for long enough and you can get problems in your attic and, and all that kind of stuff. So I wrote a curious story saying, you know, why the headline was, why is the park board allowed the birthplace of Minneapolis to deteriorate? Mm-hmm. And the answer has to do with basically the previous board, because the board had has basically entirely turned over as of this year, two members are remaining, and they were both supporters of this funding. But the previous board had voted against funding twice that would have gone to the park board's historic homes. Mm-hmm. And basically, they, there was funding allocated in 2021 of $93,000 
for the Stevens House, and that is supposed to help pay for the roof repairs or roof replacement this year. But the siding isn't likely going to happen until next year because they're going through a Hennepin County program that teaches people on probation how to do carpentry, and the program has limited capacity, and Mm -hmm. they're currently working on the Godfrey House and then the nearby Longfellow House, which are in more need of repair. So it is probably going to get fixed uh, mm-hmm. pretty soon here, but it's gotten it's gotten to a point where like it seems like it just needs more. You know, if you if it was your own house, you would try to like take care of these things as they occurred. Like if there was a big woodpecker hole in the side of your siding, mm-hmm. you would like patch it so you don't get bugs going in there and whatever. So that was kind of my reaction was like, okay, yeah, you're going to get to it, but this seems like the kind of thing that should just be kind of an ongoing thing. And I think that I don't know that there actually is an answer to that. Like I think mm-hmm. that the, the Stevens House probably needs some. It needs more just like ongoing maintenance probably for people to kind of keep it without having to then spend huge amounts of money to repair things later, you know, so. So the future of the Stevens House is TBD, to be determined. I mean, I would say having written this story and gotten the reaction, I think that there's a big audience out there for the Stevens House. Although small house museums are having a tough time, I learned, Uh, like just in general. It's like, you know, first of all, field trips are not what they used to be. Schools don't do field trips like they used to, Mm -hmm. apparently. But so it is tough to kind of like make the finances work. So I actually talked to the great, great grandchildren of John Stevens for my story. And one of them was noting like, well, why doesn't like the county or state historical society like kind of take a larger role here? Who knows? I mean, maybe that will happen. And the the group that oversees the Stevens House, the friends of the John Stevens House, they oversee programming and things. They haven't met for many years as a formal, like their board of directors hasn't met for many years because they can't reach quorum. It's just sort of one of these things where it needs probably some new energy um, to kind of come in and, and help. But I think, I mean, I think it's got a good future as long as it kind of gets repaired and and people kind of keep attention on it, you know, which was why I wrote the column because I felt like it wasn't getting enough attention. That's why you asked the question, wrote the story, and are now talking about it. Exactly. Right We're going to give all the attention we can. I'm, this is now, yeah, and I already wrote the magazine story, so this will be like the yeah. third piece of content I'm producing about every platform. Producing. Yeah, every... <laughs> we got to be on all platforms yes. with this one. Well, I can't think of anyone better to talk to us about this. Not only because you again asked the question, wrote the story, um, but also you're the biggest house nerd I know. Yeah, like, <laughs> if I'm I have glad house... I have stucco siding, so I don't have to keep up with it as yeah. much as this. But yeah, I mean, like. Siding, you got to be painting that, and yeah. So I am like a DIY nerd on the side. That's my. If, if people want to follow me on Instagram, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll start a new podcast. We'll yeah. start a whole new story. Hi, welcome to exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for stopping by. Always happy to learn about a little piece of Minneapolis history. Yeah, this has been fun. Okay, folks, that's it for today's show. As always, we want to hear your questions at curious at startribune.com. That's also where you should send any feedback you have about the show. And if you like this podcast, please tell a friend. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.